Hello, everyone, and welcome in to episode 31 here at the Grace Point Daily Podcast. I'm Jeremiah Johnson. As always, thank you for joining us here. We're going to have another episode with Pastor James Perkins. But before we dive into that, once again, thank you as always. I hope that you'll just like it, share it, applause it, do whatever you need to do. But we exist to bring you daily encouragement for your daily walk with Christ here at the Grace Point Daily Podcast. So thank you, thank you, thank you for all of you that continue to listen uh, and keep doing it, right? Here we are back again with Pastor James Perkins. How are you, sir? I'm good. Good to be here today. You just got your first podcast in the books. How does Exciting. it feel? Exciting. That was your first that podcast. First. So now when you go to these other pastoral groups and buddies, you can say, have you been on a podcast? Because I have. I'll say, have you met Jeremiah Johnson? Right. It's can a, help you. It's important that, you know, that we have bragging rights over our peers, right, in certain areas. So, and maybe, you know, maybe after this, you're going to be so inspired to start your own podcast. We're, maybe. Maybe. All right. Well, I'll help you, you know, whatever I you need to do. So, do all right. So on this episode, what I want to do is I think one of the, uh, we, we just want to share some stories. So we heard your story, your personal story of how God got a hold of your life. You obviously grew up in a Christian home. But you had this moment where uh, God really got a hold of you and really started your journey of not just simply serving Jesus, but then that calling into ministry and now pastoring for a number of years. But let's talk about here, Grace Point, how you got here well, to it this was a, church. Well, it was uh, I was in Steelville, Missouri in 1995. I'd been there for a few years. And that was your very first? That was my second uh, Second, okay. Pastor. I went from you, Missouri did you start out as a senior pastor then? Well, I was a youth pastor while I was okay. in Bible college uh, at uh, at Mount Vernon Assembly of God just down the road here for a couple of years. And then I was at Glad Tidings Assembly of God in Springfield uh, for, for just a few months, actually, before I got the call to go to uh, my first pastorate. So, but... Uh, uh, Pastoring a church or leading a church was really my, uh, my my calling from the very beginning. I did youth ministry because I was young, but uh, I didn't stay mm-hmm. young. So as you know, yeah. How 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 does that compare today from yesterday? It feels like I feel like today that youth pastors, worship pastors, children's pastors that can be more of a lifelong right. job. Where back in the right. day it was like that's just minimal. Yeah, you know? we used to use the word stepping stone. That was never that, that never seemed like a good good concept to me uh it was all just uh, just it was all uh, ministry just uh, uh meeting a need and, and ministering to people i felt like so and your very first church was how old were you when your first senior pastor you know the the job that really matters that's important i was 20 uh, 27 28 okay I started wow. there yeah. and what was that like was that tough was that what's well, the perception it was, it was, i mean i'm going on 40 years old and i talked to someone the other day who was does not go to this church, but was talking to someone who goes to this church, and they're like, "Oh yeah, we got a kid as a pastor." <laughs> yeah, I uh, maybe I was. Uh, I'm just in great shape. I was probably really young, I oblivious <laughs> uh, coming out of Bible college. I, I I never felt like I had. I don't think I was ever like I had all the answers, kind of thing, you know. But I did feel like I was prepared and ready, and this is what I wanted to do. And going to that church as 27 years old or so. Uh, I had just my my son, who is now thirty one, uh, was just a baby then, and uh, but it was a great 
great group of people. Uh, they they just they took uh, my wife Renee and I in just like we they, we were their kids. Uh, we were their new pastors. The previous pastor at that time at that church had been there over twenty years, and uh, he had uh, moved to another state. And they just took us in as young as we were, and just treated just like we were their kids. And and we were for the for the whole uh, four years that we were there, they referred to us as their new pastor. So uh, okay. it was a great time. Yeah, and I think I think our whether you're a pastor or not, our life is marked by times and seasons, you know, of, of God doing different things. What was that? That so that particular first one. What what did, what, what did God do there? What was that season of life marked by? Well, was it, it just was learning, growing, learning. Was it, you know, starting my family, and we had our our second child, Lauren. Our daughter was born while we were there, and so it was really learning a lot of uh, just how. Um, how we would function in ministry and and a lot of patterns were set at that time. So you have some great learning. great stories from that one, or what, what's the memorable stories out of that time? Well, I think uh, what was most memorable was uh, how uh, how we how close we got to that group of people. It was just a, a good place to be, and uh, we did some uh, very exciting things while I was there. I had the opportunity to go to Honduras for a couple of weeks and take take a, a missions trip, and we were involved in. And uh, helping that church become a little more, we say, missional or mission-minded. And it uh, it was just a great place to be. I think one of the things that I say, and again, you got to take this in the correct way, that it doesn't sound arrogant or bad, but the the beauty of becoming a pastor, one of the things I've always enjoyed is that we get to become legends in the lives of people. And what do I mean by that is we have this distinct opportunity to be forever remembered in the lives of people because we're often there with them when they live when they die when they're going through immense amounts of need and pain and hardship and and whether they like like us or not in many ways we're etched in the minds of people for their entire life and their family because we're there at these pivotal moments that's what i love about being a pastor we are literally in the photo when they get married right we're in the photo (laughs) when they dedicate their children uh so yeah you're right we we become a part of um of, of their story yeah, and 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 it's our job, and it's not necessarily different than other people, but it's it's our life, you know, and right. and we're investing all that we have in the hearts and lives of people. So, how long were you at that church? You were there for? I was there four years. Four years, okay. From uh, ninety-eight to ninety-two, um, rather eighty-eight to ninety-two. Okay, so eighty-eight to ninety-two. Then you I was in the, the, my shortest stint at, 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 as as a pastor at Steelville, Missouri, First Assembly of God. Great church, uh, great great people. Very musical church. Very a lot of gift, a lot of gifting, a lot of talents there. I met some great people there. People who are still friends today. Uh, Pastor Jerry Beers, who I hope you get to meet sometime, is a, a tremendous brother. Was there? He was actually the 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 worship minister while I was there, but he's the pastor there now. But I was only there for three years. And what was the transition like going from? One to the other. What, what what was that like for you? Was it something that God spoke to you? Was it like you had a revelation? Was it? Well, going to the first church um, was uh, I had a call from the the local presbyter. Those that aren't familiar with that, but just a a minister that kind of helped the, the the churches in his area. I uh, got a call from him and asked if I would consider coming to pastor that church, and so that was the open door for that. I went there and I met with the church and uh, interviewed with them and. And they liked us enough to have us come back. So, and I had a very pretty wife, and so mm-hmm. that always helps, right? You know? Yeah, and just a young family, and so uh, we had a lot of energy, and so uh, 
that's basically because of the recommendation of the the, the presbyter is a man that I knew pretty well. That's why I went there. And then I was there for four years, and one Sunday while I was up on Sunday morning preaching in that church in Tipton, there was a, a, a guest, a couple that came in as visitors. They were an older couple, and they sat in the back row. And, and I was going to go back and, you know, didn't have a lot of visitors. It was a small church, and I was going to go back and, and meet them. And I did. I went to the, to the back and introduced myself, and they didn't even tell me their name and really couldn't get out of the church quick <laughs> enough. I thought, well, that's kind of odd, but I wasn't offended. You know, just, they just <laughs> yeah. weren't very talkative. Come to find out, they were a pulpit committee from the church in Steelville. Okay. And they felt like if they told me their name, they were pretty well known in the district. And if they told me their name, I might put two and two together. So they wanted to be anonymous. And, and that church called me on. So they were that, scouting you out. They were scouting me out. That's yeah. how hot you were at that, uh, yeah. <laughs> at that time. Is that, that you had people scouting you out, literally sneaking in yeah. the churches to check you out because you're so yeah, awesome. It was kind of funny. Yeah. <laughs> so you dive into that next environment, that next season of the yeah. journey, and what was that like in that time? Well, I went from a church of uh, just a very small church in, in Tipton uh, into a, a more of a country, uh, very rural setting down in the. Uh, in the Three Rivers area of Missouri, it's called you know self-proclaimed uh, floating capital of Missouri. It's kind of a tourism, hmm. touristy area. Okay, that most get a lot, lot of business in the, in the summertime, and it was uh, literally Steelville is down in kind of in a valley, and Three Rivers kind of one small river and two other rivers kind of come converge there in that area, and it's so it's very much a river community. Is that Branson-ish or south of Branson-ish? Well, it's, uh, it, it had one country music show when oh, okay. I was there, and they, it, it's still in oper- operation today. It's called the Yadkin Theater or something like that. But, mm-hmm. um, uh, but it, kind, of that, kind of that feel, uh, okay. uh, all, obviously a lot, a lot smaller scale. Mm-hmm. But uh, it was a great church. Uh, I went from a small church of about 70 people there in Tipton to a church of about 250 there in Steelville. It was a very, wow. very, uh, very influential church and great opportunity. Uh, we had a, we had a good time uh, while we was there. Yeah. So you go from one to two, and now on to church number three, which was which uh, was, Grace was, Point. Was, was first assembly of God then. <laughs> it was yeah. first assembly when you came. Right, okay. Right. Yeah. So you weren't you weren't quite bold enough to do the name change in your no, wasn't wasn't ready for that era. Okay, <laughs> yeah. so you arrived to to Grace Point, Carthage. What's happening in your life at that time? Well, it was a it was a whirlwind. We weren't really looking to make a change at the time when uh, the door opened for us to come here again. We got a call from from someone in the church uh, that uh, had called the district office actually, and uh, I was recommended. And so it was kind of all of a sudden, I'd only been in Stillville for three years. So a little bit of a whirlwind coming in here. Um, but it was a, it was a great transition, uh, I felt like. And it was during a time in the mid-90s, many people will remember this, was a time when much of the church, especially the Spirit-filled church, was really, as you say, going after God, really a spirit of revival and, and really a time of pursuing the things of God. The uh, Tommy Tenney's book, the you know, God Chasers was oh, in okay. that area, was coming out. And so uh, the revival in, in Pensacola, the Brownsville revival was, was going on during that season. So it was a time uh, of, uh, of revival, at least for the church. And so that, that happened, that was going on while we were we were in our first year here, uh, we were in an extended revival. Well, it was at that time it was only three weeks, but we had a three week revival not long after I first came here. And that was the the first year within the first yes, year within being the here? first year, yeah. Wow. And within the, the within the second year, we had a revival that lasted for seventeen weeks. 
and uh, so it was just a time of really seeking after God and the things of God. Hmm. I think I think one of the things that I'm grateful for is that I'm quite uh, ignorant, I guess, at times. In terms of my faith, I got saved, you know, not growing up uh, in a religious environment or a Christian environment, knowing the Word of God, you know, having all this base and the- theological base. So, for example, when I first got saved, it was radical. I mean, I heard the voice of God uh, distinctly, clearly. Uh, God said, Jeremiah, listen, I have a plan and purpose for your life. I want to do things inside of you that you've never dreamed or imagined, but you need to make a choice. I mean, that was as clear. So God cl- said clear. to Jeremiah, I know yeah. the plans I have yeah. for you. Is right, right, right. Yep, yep. Exactly. And so, I, I mean, I heard God's voice as clear as day, you know, responded to him. I mean, a month or two later, uh, I was reading the book of Acts on my own, my own prayer time. I read it. I was like, wow, that's cool. I want to do that. I get baptized in the Holy Spirit, praying in other tongues. No questions was not a big deal. I remember a some a very short time later, people in the church were like, "Oh, you know, now that you're saved, you need to get baptized in the Holy Spirit, bringing out the tongues." And I was like, "Yeah, I already do that." They're like, "How do you already do that?" I was like, "Well, I read the Bible. Hmm. That's what you're supposed to do." Like, and so a lot of that 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 first years of my life, there was right. so much innocence to my faith, which I think released a lot of God things inside of me that maybe might not have been had my my, my brain been polluted by the theology of others. What I'm trying to get to is when I went to Bible college, I was just like wanting God. And so it was in that time of 97, uh, 97, 2001 was when I was in Bible college. And that was uh, the time when Brownsville and things were still happening. And I remember just pursuing God. I was like, man, this is awesome. And uh, we had some of the Brownsville guys come to our Bible college and powerful services. And then, you know, I start getting into ministry myself practically a few years later and there was division over that concept right. of like revival or not revival. And, you know, some people were like, this is no, Brownsville is bad. And I was like, I was confused. I was like, well, what, what's wrong with wanting God's presence? What's wrong right. with re- wanting revival? And I really meant that from a very innocent, puristic mm-hmm. point of my faith. Yeah. Yeah. I had somewhat of the, of the same. Of course, I was a little, my story is somewhat different as we've talked. Uh, I was raised in the church and, and uh, raised in a very strong uh, Christian uh, uh, household, and so going to revival or going to church was not new to me. Or, or uh, I just thought that uh, at least periodical seasons of of seeking God, you know, a, a time of fasting or a time of seeking God, a time of going to church or 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 uh, experiencing personal revival or renewal was part of part of your walk. It's something you did. And it, whether seasonal or not, or but it was it it would come around at times, you know, and so I I thought that's what everyone wanted. I thought everyone wanted this <laughs> this passion going after the things of God. It's it's just almost as if when I was young and when I was growing up, there were blinders on because as soon as an altar call was given or an opportunity, let's come forward and let's see God. Boom! I was there. I just uh-huh. I went to the front and I was seeking God. I didn't. I don't guess I realized what other people were or weren't doing. Maybe I I don't know. But I remember as when I became a pastor and I started making that same kind of an appeal, that same kind of passionate call that that uh, many people called me that even when I was pastoring, they would say, you know, you really uh, you're not as good of a pastor. You you probably ought to be an evangelist to go in the field because you seem to always be wanting revival. And I thought, well, yeah, I thought everybody <laughs> wanted that. Right. And I was really kind of at one, I remember at times sitting down talking with my wife and, and saying, I you know, uh, something's going on here. I don't know what's happening, but but. Uh, 
people aren't really that passionate for uh, for pursuing the things of God. They just kind of want to have a nice place to go to church. And yeah. I've never really been interested in just having a place to go once or twice a week. Right. So in hindsight, 20 years later, what's your take on it? Was it just a bunch of emotional ism? Was it authentic? Was it real? Well, I, th- I think there was uh, there were seasons in my own life of imbalance when I got a little bit of out of balance. There were seasons of my life when I was I I have been judgmental of other people's experience that wasn't my experience, of feeling like their experience wasn't as as uh, as as deep as 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 it could have been. And the Lord has spoken to me about that, and the Lord has dealt with me over, over those kinds of things, and and brought me to a place not of not of of compromise where I don't want God as much as I used to. I'm just as passionate as I've ever been. But He's really developed an understanding that that people do seek out the Lord, and the Lord the Lord does know how to speak to His people. And if you just let Him and and love people the way He loves them, uh, He knows how to get a hold of their heart. Yeah. I think that's one thing I I would like to think that I've learned so far is that definitely being even younger than I am now in terms of ministry is that I think the danger is that we can get caught up in um, the manifestation or what what it looks like yeah. in, in every way. So like, for example, I'm a musician, I'm a worship leader. Part of my career has been a worship leader. So there was a time where I thought like, if you weren't lifting your hands and you weren't jumping around, then you're not radical for God clearly. Um, and you don't have the same passion I do. So, but that that's not correct. You know, I mean, there's people that maybe just because they're not lifting their hands or they're not doing something physically that looks really radical. doesn't mean they're, they're not radical for the Lord. There's some of the, some of the most radical, passionate people filled of the spirit and wisdom I've ever met are people that, you know, don't jump around and do circles and one of the most radical church. radical things <laughs> that ever happened to me is is an understanding of the grace of God. And an understanding of the grace of God uh, took away a lot of that judgmental uh, tendency that I had. A lot of learning that grace of God, that learning the grace of God took away that uh uh, that expectation that of putting on others my experience or what I thought they ought to be doing and realizing the more of the grace of God that I received in my life, the more that flowed through my life, uh, it, it brought, it, it did, it didn't lessen my passion, but it, sh- it certainly changed my expectation of how I was wrongfully ex- uh, expected other people to do. And even in, in some areas, wrong expectations I had for my own life, it mm. brought a lot of peace into my life. So do you think we need a revival again? Yes, we need a revival later. of the grace of God. We sure do. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What, what do you, I think that's one of the things I get scared of is uh, missing revival because I, I might be too caught up with it looking a certain way. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Because revival, so we've had periods of revival or maybe you've had periods of revival in your own life or things like Brownsville or something like that. I think the danger is, is now... Sometimes we capture in our brain, like, this is what revival looks like. Yeah. And typically when those revivals have happened, a distinctive difference or, you know, something different was released. And we have to position ourselves in a way that says, okay, Lord, if you want to do something different, yeah, I'm ready for it. Right. It might look sound, like, might look different, might sound different, might be different, might be a new emphasis, but Lord, am I going to be in a position to receive that? Because clearly, those different generations, they were in a place where they could receive right. that. Right. Well, when I when I was pastoring uh, Grace Point, of course, then First Assembly of God, and we had a, a season of revival. Uh, the revival at that time, in many ways, uh, some some of the listeners may 
may identify with this, but in many ways was somewhat disruptive because it disrupted the, the normal program and the normal cadence of the way the church operated. And so for a season there, it was somewhat disruptive, but it was just a, just it was a season uh, of going after God. But it it was taxing in a lot of ways. Physically, it was it was draining uh, in a lot of ways. It took a lot of time. And um, but uh, I remember after coming to pastor this church, someone mentioned we really need to have a revival. And I caught myself, I didn't say it out loud, but I caught myself uh, internally giving a, just almost shuddering. Uh, <laughs> well, that's the last thing we need. Right. I couldn't believe I was thinking that the last thing we need is a revival because of how uh-huh. disruptive it can be. Uh, that's not to say I, I've ever felt like we didn't need more of, of God's presence. We, cer- we certainly do. But the way I define revival made it something, well, that's something, I don't know if I want to go through that again. And that's something the Lord has had to correct in me, because I, 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 I do want His renewal. We, mm-hmm. we always want His renewal and Him the, the living again of, of, uh, of His will in our life. So, Right. What would you, what would you um, and I'm throwing questions out at you, and we talked beforehand that Pastor Perkins is a note guy and, and that kind yeah. of thing. So I'm throwing, I'm, I'm, we're getting him out of his comfort zone, I'm praise the Lord, zone. which we need to do that. We, you preach that, yes, right? Sir. Get out of your comfort zone. Not very often. <laughs> well, so how would you define revival today after some of the experiences that you've not only seen in other areas or uh, some of the stuff that you've walked through personally in your ministry? What's revival? What, what is that? Well, if you could, uh, some at, people are saying at, we're having revival, and right. it's like, well, what is that? We're just well, we used to have a really long prayer uh, meeting. Uh, yeah, uh, two revivals a year. You know, Church well, every night for five hours is that revival? Right. What's revival? Yeah, that, that's what we call revival. But in a, obviously, an actual revival is is a, a change of heart, a turning of a a person, of a church, and hopefully of a community uh, of, of people uh, uh, toward uh, the heart of God in their life. How would you do? How would you do revival differently if you had revival today? Well, I don't know that I have an answer for that. <laughs> I, I really don't know. I, I think uh, I would probably do it the same way I do about every service uh, that, that I have today. It's just mm-hmm. uh, just worship the Lord and go after Him. Yeah, I think the one thing uh, to that I would just say is, and I'm sure this has been true of every generation, is that just learning to. I just want, I want, I want to, especially in this church grace point today in 2019 to value the presence of God that we really, that, that, that's what we love the most. It's what we, we make time for, you know, even last night, uh, to have a prayer meeting for two hours that that's not for us. That's not like, Oh man, that's so difficult. Oh, that's really a sacrifice. No, we, we value the presence of God. Right. It's something that we make time for that we, you know, that's, that's my my take on that. Yeah. yeah. So you get to Grace Point, you're experiencing revival. Let's talk about some of the, the good times, the stories, those things that really come to your mind when you hear the name, excuse me, First Assembly, when you go back to First Assembly of Days. Well, it's all around around the people that uh, that were here. Uh, we met some of those that are here. Of course, I've had the privilege of moving back to this town and pastoring another church kind of across town. It's not a large town, but not too far from here. But uh, running, running into those same people and realizing they weren't just friends for back then, they're lifetime friends. And so we uh, really had a, a great time. Uh, because I was here about four years and that extended revival was a part of, of our experience here, 
that revival has uh, those times of, I call it a revival, those times of extended services where uh, a lot of great preaching, a lot of great Bible study, uh, a lot of great things uh, were launched out of that during that time that really had I, I've always felt like it had very little to do with me and had more to do with what how God was speaking to the hearts of people. One of the ministries that still continues today had really uh, I had nothing to do with me, the, the ministry to Willowcrest mm. that was started by Rick, and, uh, Rick Maynard at that time, right? And uh, it started actually on Sunday morning. They came to us wanting to do this ministry at Willowcrest, but Willowcrest had had several people come in and do ministries, but they never stuck with it. And so, the, well, the only time we have for you, if you want to come and do this, we we need you to come on Sunday morning. And so Rick Maynard and a few others, I think Kelly Stevens and Melissa Smith and some others that wanted to be a part of that, they started going on Sunday morning. So some very key people in the church weren't even at church on Sunday morning anymore because they were Hmm. ministering over at Willowcrest. So in in a way, the whole church kind of sacrificed, if you will, released a few very key people to go somewhere else on Sunday morning and minister. And they did it that way for several months until it finally changed to a Saturday night ministry. But that that happened uh, was birthed out of the revival that God was doing. Uh, I, I never said, "Hey, why don't you do? Won't you consider doing a ministry at, at one of the children's ministries over in in, in Oklahoma?" And it was not my idea. It, yeah. it it came along, and they asked if they could do it, and I said, "Okay." That's really the only, it was fine with me. That's the only part I really played in that. But it happened because of that revival, and it's a ministry, the, the Christmas ministry that you have over there, the outreach mm-hmm. that you have there. Yeah. It's a huge ministry and touched many lives and it happened out of that revival well revival i think that's a a good good way of saying uh, a good definition of revival is that things should be released you know that's good a a mark of revival is that things are released you know often uh new songs you know as a worship guy i was like i know i know there's revival if there's new songs because revival should release new things yes. out of the hearts and lives of people in multifaceted ways could be a new song could be a new ministry could be a new calling could be a new church that gets launched or something but something has to be released uh to me to put it uh, on the list of one of the things that really really makes revival you know um so is there anyone you want to like uh throw underneath a bus on this podcast as far as Grace Point, uh, <laughs> you know, any emotion? I'm just kidding. It would only come back on you, so I'm not <laughs> right, going to do that. Because, right. uh, we, well, we do, we do, we get more in trouble on the Modern Christian Dads podcast than we do on this one. This one, we keep it pretty, uh, keep it pretty uncontroversial overall in one sense. Yeah. Talk to me a little bit about, you came, you came after Pastor Henson, Brother Henson. He was here for 22 years. Is that, I guess, correct that historically he was the longest tenured pastor to my understanding. I think, I think so. 22 I'm not years. Sure, but yeah, he may have been. And what was that like for you in that, that window of time? Well, again, maybe I was oblivious, but I, uh, uh it, again, it was a great church, great people. And, uh, he, he retired. And so as it is often when, uh, in, in that, the, the, the church, once he, once he had retired and they got over the idea, you know, that he was not, you know, that he was not going to be their pastor anymore, they were ready to move on, you know? And so they, they looked for a pastor and they found Renee and I, and we came here and, uh, we were very well accepted and, uh, just had, had a, it was a great transition. I, maybe I just was yeah. never worried about that or <laughs> was he uh, retirement age? Was he retirement yeah, age? Yeah. So he retired when he was yeah. done. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So I'm, my goal is to take out everybody. I'm at the age where I could potentially 
yeah. outlive all of them in terms of years served. You could. So in the annals of history one day, yeah. Yeah. they say, old Brother Johnson, he was the longest tenured pastor in the history of Grace Point Church. Praise the Lord. You know, I think that's a great, uh, it's funny that the church is now named Grace Point because in my limited time here at this church, if you said, hey, you, you only get a few words to describe Grace Point, what would you, what, what's a few of those words? In one word, hands down, probably the first word I would use is that they're a gracious church. Yes. yes they that are. they are gracious in their yes. love for their pastor and their yeah. leader and the leaders of the past. There's nothing but graciousness, you know? Well, you know, and together, you and I both, uh, you coming after and me coming before, uh, Pastor Graham that was here for, what, 18 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a very gracious man. And uh, it was his vision uh, while he was here to change the name from, from the traditional name, which is it's mm-hmm. a traditional name, First yeah. Assembly, which is fine. <laughs> but it doesn't say a whole lot about what the church is about, right? Yep. And so uh, I, I remember speaking with him and him talking about a, a long period of teaching on, the, on, on gr- the grace of God and the power of the grace of God and the depth of the grace of God. And, and uh, in that teaching then can come out then the, the trans the, 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 uh, the transition into a, 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 a new name uh, for, for the church, a name that talked about who the church really is. And I thought it was a great transition. <laughs> right. you know, that's not an easy thing to change the name of a church. You know, people are comfortable with the way things have been. And it was uh, fairly seamless from what I could tell from where I was at anyway. Brother Graham may have a little bit of a different story, but uh, it was just, it was, it was a, uh, it was an obvious change. And uh, it uh, was very, well, it was gracious. So, yeah. What uh, anything out that that you want to share stands out in your time here at Grace Point? I know you're going to be speaking at the church next weekend for us, and you'll probably uh, I know you're going to share what God has for you. But any great stories that you could unleash? Funny stories? Did you yeah. have any funny moments? Well, you know, I had had a few uh, embarrassing moments. Pastor Perkins uh, bloopers. Yeah, you know, one of those <laughs> things when you're when you're in uh, a, a particular. Um, denominational church, if you will, uh, of, of a, uh, a church that has a strong foundation uh, church. You, you come in and you kind of halfway think, I suppose, without thinking that uh, things are, are always done the same way. And I remember the fir- one of the first Sundays I was here, it may have been the first Sunday I was here, was Communion Sunday. And we had communion, and uh, Brother Henson did communion totally different than anybody I'd ever seen before. And I didn't and I should have thought about that, but I just assumed they would do the communion the way I had always done it. I, you know, it was a, I pastored Assembly of God Church. This was an Assembly of God Church, and when the the deacons came forward to to uh, you know, and the men of the church came forward to to take the elements and to pass out the communion, they were waiting on me to give them instruction or to give them a go ahead. And I kept looking at them; and they were just staring at me, and it really uh, it. It was the longest, most awkward moment I've, okay. I've had, and uh, that you know that that was an odd moment. And I finally I looked to, to one of the men in the church, and I said, uh, I forget what I called him. I called him. I think I called. I said, Mike, won't you go ahead and do this? Well, his name wasn't even Mike; it was Rick Maynard. And so he's <laughs> he's never let me forget that. Yeah. So. <laughs> well, fun time, man. I think of all the dumb things that I've done. You know, just it's like on the movie Dumb and Dumber. Just yeah. when I thought you couldn't get any yeah. dumber. I've done so you many. You go and totally just, redeem yourself. I think I blinked them out of my mind. I've done so many. Oh, man. Well, you know what? I mean this as a as a compliment. I do in many ways feel like I'm Pastor Perkins 2.0. 
and I could dive into that, divulge into that a little bit deeper. But you are definitely an upgrade. Uh, that's for sure. I feel like I'm an extension of some of the things that God has put inside of you to release in this modern era of grace point, if you will. But man, we really appreciate you serving the life of this church and that period of time. Like I said, there's no, there's no period of time that, you know, one period isn't more valuable than the other in the context of the life of a church. Every time, every season, they're all, every pastor, you know, some, like, again, I was telling you the other day, sometimes we'd say, oh, well, you know, the church was bigger or smaller, or the bu- right. budget was bigger, or the building or the building project. Every season matters to the heart of right. God. Every one of us. And I mean, we're servants. I'm saying that in, in a, hopefully a humble way, you know, but, but, and I know that now or right now that this is an important season mm-hmm. of the life of the church. Not, not because I'm the pastor, because it is, because God has a will and a plan and a purpose for this church called Grace Point and for New Covenant and, and all those kind of things. And it's a tremendous responsibility to be a steward of God's church. Well, the, the season for sowing and the season for reaping are relatively short compared to the season for growing. And, uh, but each one of those seasons, as you've hmm. well, well said, are, are equally as important. You'd never have a growing if it wasn't for sowing. You'd ne- certainly never have a reaping. Well, we appreciate you being on the Grace Point Daily Podcast. You're going to be with us next week. You're actually going to be at all three services uh, so people can connect with you Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Uh, people can connect, connect with you. You're going to be preaching specifically on Friday, but we believe that God's going to speak something powerful for you. Do you have any little, like, little hook that you want to throw out to us or no, you're still developing? I'm, I'm developing and still asking <laughs> the Lord what he wants to say, but uh, I know that this church is ready for the next step. Amen. Come to the Next Step Conference. Hey, thank you again. It's been a blessing to have Pastor Perkins on the podcast. We'll have to get you back on for some of the other issues, and we'll get you on the Modern Christian Dad podcast as well sometime. Glad to come. Anyway, we're grateful that you're here. Join us this Sunday next weekend, whatever. Go to your own church if if you're not from the Grace Point family. But God bless you. Thank you. We will talk to you next time.